we're going to continue into the word of God, um, characteristics of godly goals. And this is from the English Standard Version. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. A little bit different um, reading structure, uh, different than um, than your King James version. Um, there's really no no difference. What you're looking for, um, many different people use many different uh, types of Bibles, or when I say types of Bibles, I actually really mean different translations of, of the Bible. Um, and um, you want to make sure that, um, that the, you know, I always tend to use the the King James version pretty much as, as the, as the standard. So when I look at other translations, I, I, I look at them in the light of seeing how, um, how much they deviate um, from the, uh, the translation that I am most familiar with, which is that of the uh, King James version. Okay. That's the, that's the most familiar English translation. Okay of the of the scriptures now in the scriptures original language as we've said before um is uh hebrew aramaic and greek and that's the original language of the of the bible and that's going to cover the scope of the entire bible from um, the old testament to the new testament so all the way from genesis to revelation um, the original language of the scripture um, is going to be either hebrew it's either going to be aramaic or it's going to be uh, Greek. That's what you're going to have. The Bible says, one thing have I desired, okay? One thing have I asked of the Lord. King James, one thing have I desired um, of the Lord. That will I seek after. Amen. Now, the first thing that I want to get into, um, because we want to make sure we have a good understanding about these goals, because we're going to go into this, because we have a lot of people that are uh, that are kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, they they um, um, they're stagnant. They don't really know what they should be doing. They don't really know where uh, they should be going, what direction they should uh, be headed in. And they 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 uh, they got so many ideas, so many different things, but it, it's it's all um, for all intents and purposes, it's all a blur of it's all a blur to them. It all kind of just. Uh, blends in together. But today we're going to take the, 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 the shroud off of that. We're going to use uh, Psalms 27 and 4 as a springboard um, to really define and start to dissect um, goals um, and spiritual goals or godly goals and the importance of those things. So it's a lot of information. Make sure you got your Bible, your pen, pen pencil, handy paper. Make sure you got all of that. You want to make sure you're taking notes because this is stuff that you're going to be able to use and you're going to need to revisit from time to time just to make sure that you're going in the right direction as far as what you're looking for. Now, the first thing I want you to understand here is, is that when we start talking about the goals, there are some things that we need to know, okay? And there is a difference, you know, whether you realize it or not, there is a difference between godly goals and God-centered goals, okay? There actually really is a difference. There are some subtleties to it. There are areas where they kind of cross-pollinate, they cross into the same um, pond, but there are uh, some differences enough that are worth uh, noting. And we want to, as we get into that, um, you'll have on your screen um, some some basic loose kind of definitions that we have um, for that. Godly goals are those goals or desires that have God alone as the primary beneficiary, okay? When the goal is accomplished, that's very important, okay? The accomplishing of the goal is strictly for the glory of God. That is what a godly goal is, okay? It, your, those, those, those goals, those intentions, those desires, okay? Those hopes, those dreams, whatever you want to call them, all right? Um, we'll just use the word desires because that's what our text in the King James is, is using, okay? But when we see that word desires, I want you to also think of goals, okay? And when we think about this, and we look at this, this concept of godly goals, then we need to understand that godly goals, okay, they are those goals that have God alone as the primary 
beneficiary, okay? When the goal is accomplished, what does that mean? That means that the end result of this goal, okay? It's all about God. The whole purpose of this goal more is 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 more is about is about God from start to finish and that's a godly goal a godly goal is not one where you're looking for anything for yourself amen not saying that there's anything wrong we're talking about different types because there is there are um, um, some nuances to it and um, godly goals though they are for God they can also actually have a uh, god-centered component to them Okay, and we'll discuss that in just in just a moment. But for all intents and purposes, a godly goal is a goal that is designed to whereby God and God alone is the one that's going to benefit from it primarily. Okay, so you're not seeking your own. You're not really asking for yourself. You're not really trying to get hooked up, so to speak. You're not trying to get something for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that time and place for everything. But I, but I, I want to set the stage for a godly goal. When we talk about a godly goal, okay, a godly goal has God at the center of it. It's, it's, it's mainly for him. Now, godly goals can have a God-centered component to it. And when we start bringing in the concept of a God-centered um, component or God-centered goals, what are they? Well, well, they are those goals or desires where we are the primary beneficiary in addition to God, okay? So now you, we, we, we are hooked into this thing. So yeah, it's about, yes, it's, a, it, it's about God, but it's also, uh, it's also kind of about me as well. So we get the prize, so to speak, at the end of the uh, at the end of the road, or when this thing is is accomplished. At the end, God, we get the prize because we're asking God to do something for us. Okay. So when you start thinking about a God-centered goal, all right, we're talking about a goal, right, where God, uh, where we're the primary beneficiary in addition to God. Now that brings in something very important. <clears throat> That brings us something that you that we want to make sure we don't skip over too fast. We said in addition to God. Now, because God is hooked into it, talking about a God-centered goal now, okay? Because God is hooked into it, we are the, we're asking for something for us, but it is also for God because God gets the continued praise and acknowledgement um, for the accomplishment of that goal. He was the one, after all, that brought the whole thing to pass. Amen. Now, when we talk about this, because God is involved in it, okay, what makes this really God-centered, okay? If God, because it does have a component, a God-centered goal, whereby God does benefit as well, then what that necessitates or makes necessary for us is, is that the goal cannot be something that goes contrary to the word of God. Because God is not going to just be pleased with anything. And that's just something, brothers and sisters, you have to know. You got to make sure that you stay aware of, okay? Godly goals are those goals that it's all about God. So that thing from start to finish, it, it's all about God. You can't bring no unholiness in that. You can't come up with something that, that's got one foot in, you know what I'm saying, in God's house and another foot in, you know what I'm saying, in the devil's house. That's not going to work. That is not going to work. You could, that's not a God goal. That's not God. No, if that goal is, is a godly goal, amen. Praise the Lord. If that goal is a godly goal, then a godly goal is going to have God as that primary beneficiary. He's going to be the one that's going to benefit from it the most. He is going to be the one in whom this thing is all about. Amen. When you start getting into God-centered goals, that's when we start bringing ourselves into it. Okay. And we're going to see in Psalms uh, 27 and 4, um, it's a godly goal, but this one actually does have a uh, God-centered component to it. Now, those God-centered components, we said, that's where we are the primary beneficiary. In other words, I'm asking God to do something for me. God, I need you to bless me with a job. Do you hear what I'm telling you? What makes it God-centered? What makes it what makes it a God-centered? Well, I ain't, I'm not trying to go work, you know what I'm saying, you know, at, you know, in some field that is contrary uh, to God. So in other words, I'm not getting ready to say, God, bless me with a job, right? 
and then I'm gonna go and, uh, uh, and, and become a bartender or something like that. And no offense to anybody who's ever had to do any of that, but I'm just telling you that's a starting place. God gonna give you something more. God doesn't want you to go and you and I to go into areas and uh, uh, where that the word is, does not endorse. Amen. Amen. So the Bible speaks about us not being drunkard and all this other kind of stuff. And, and, and yeah, yeah, God kind of doesn't want us to be bartenders either. So God don't want you to get into things that make it easy for you to sin. Why? The Bible says make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now we learned that in the book of Romans. So God does not want you when God provides for you and you understand something. And actually this is good. What, you know, some of you might be looking for a job and you're saying, Lord, I feel like I need to just take anything. Let me encourage you. Wait on. Don't you just take anything. You take what God has for you. Where God, the thing that God has for you is what you got is going to have the peace of God, is going to have the favor of God, which is that endorsement of God. Okay? Don't get so, yes, their things are tight. And they're tight for everybody in different ways. And people have different needs. And it's going to always be, the enemy going to always come in when you find yourself in need and he's going to always try to commandeer or hijack the need that you have and convince you to try to fulfill the need outside of God. Now, if you need an example of, if you need an example of that, you, all you need to look at is Abraham and Sarah. Here come Abraham. Lord, tell him, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be the father of many nations. All right. You're going to, you are going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. Well, here come Abraham. Well, in order for me to, to be blessed, I need a child. Abraham is barren at this, Abraham and his wife, Sarah is barren at this point. They don't have any children up to this point. And they're well past the, the, the age of having children at this point, but yet they got a promise. I want to tell you, if God got a promise, that promise is lock stock. It ain't going nowhere. Listen, when God put his word on something, you best believe, brother and sister, that thing is going to get done. I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know when it's going to happen. But if I got God's word on something, if you have God's word on something, I want to remind you today that God is trustworthy. God is still faithful. See, we arbitrarily name people faithful. But see, but when the title of faithful is applied to God, you got to understand that's different. See, God is called faithful because he absolutely does what he says he's going to do. And that's a different. So we have Abraham and we have Sarah and they're looking for a child to be born in order to accomplish this goal or this promise uh, or to fulfill this promise that God has that he's going to be father of many nations. Well, what do they do? Well, they try to help God. They try to come up with their own way of bringing in. So what does, you know what I'm saying? So, so here comes Sarah bringing in her, her, her maid servant and everything sent Hagar sends her to, to, to Abraham. He has a child with her. The child's name is Ishmael. And they've been dealing with that problem. <laughs> that problem is still an ongoing problem. Even to this day, even to this day, only for the Lord to have to tell them and to let them know the promise is not coming through Ishmael but it's coming through the son that I am going to bless you with. And that son would be Isaac, okay? When God, when you have a promise from God, and what promise do I have, Brother Walker? I, I, I'm looking for, I need, you know, I, 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 I need food, I need, I need a job, I need this. The promise is never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You got a promise that God will supply all of your needs. And when you have that promise, whatever it is that you need, you simply take that promise and you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, you said, when you say, Lord, you said, you are literally saying, God, remember the terms of the covenant. God, remember what you promised to do. That's why it's heavy. That's why it matters what you say in prayer. Amen. Glory to God. You ought to be using the word. And so when we use the word, we're able to say, God, Lord, you promised this, that, and other. And when I do that, I don't have to settle for taking a job or this or a that in something that goes contrary to the word of God. So I want to encourage you to wait on God. Amen. Because God is absolutely uh, trustworthy. Now, they, they, the, the characteristics of, of godly goals, all right, as we really dig into this, 
they have many characteristics, but let's look at the first one. We mentioned a little bit about this last week, but we're going to dig a little bit further into it um, um, this week. So number one, they are focused, okay? Godly goals are focused. Amen. Amen. They're focused. The Bible said one thing. David said one thing have I desired. Now, I want you to notice he did not say seven things. He did not say 12 things. He didn't even come up with three things. He said one thing. Now, that is not to say, brothers and sisters, that you can only have one thing. That is not what they're saying. The point that you should be getting here is, is, that, it, you, is that it needs to be focused. It needs to be specific. It cannot be all over the place. Amen. They need to be focused. Now, there's some words that we want to uh, be familiar with, okay, as we get ready to kind of dive into this, all right? So he says, one thing have I desired, and the word desired, she'al, okay, in the Hebrew, and for those of you who are looking at your screen, you're going to notice 7592, that's your Strong's um, concordance um, reference. So those of you who are familiar with looking up words in the Greek and Hebrew in the Strong's concordance, that's the word that you're going to use so that you can look it up on your own, and I invite you to do that. But the word simply means to request or the sense of this, okay? It's a, it's a verb, okay? Um, and it's, it's to make a request or to demand something from somebody. Um, and we said this on last week, and I have it up there for you, because prayer often includes petition. And when we say petition, we simply mean requesting or asking. When we are praying, oftentimes in our prayer, there is a component or a part to the prayer, brothers and sisters, where we are asking God for something. When we're doing that, that is known as a petition. And because prayer has often within it um, this component of petition, then sometimes when this word shawl is actually used, okay, it's used in the sense of praying for something. Amen. It's used in the sense of praying for something. Now we need to understand something about this, the, about this characteristic. We said they're focused and they are specific, okay? Indecision will always leave you at the starting line of life, okay? That, that, that is going, it's, going to leave, it's going to leave you there. Godly goals, even God-centered goals, they have to be focused. They need to be specific. They can't be loosey-goosey just all over the place. No, they need to be specific, okay? Amen. Because and and you and 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 so and and because it needs to be specific, because they need to be focused. The longer you stay in a state of indecision, you're never going to make any progress. I gave you this scripture last week. I want you to turn to it again. Second King, First Kings, chapter eighteen. Amen. First Kings, chapter eighteen. Um, chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. The word of God says this, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. For those of you who don't have, um, those of you who don't have um, your Bible with you is going to appear on the screen in just a moment and we'll get back to it. And so that you can see that for yourself. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? Indecision, brothers and sisters. Indecision. Okay. Indecision is going to always be an enemy. Okay, it's you, you're going you're gonna to always find yourself at the beginning or in the starting block. You cannot stay halted between two opinions. Okay, in this case, Elijah is dealing with the with you know with the with the with the the Israelites, and he's dealing with them because there's this showdown that's getting ready to happen between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the Grove. You know, it's getting I mean, it's getting ready to go. It's getting ready to go down. God's getting ready to answer by fire, 
And I want you to understand something. Look at the language of the scripture. Elijah says to the people, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal or Baal, depending on how you pronounce that, then follow him. Look at the response of the people. And the people answered him not a word in decision. If you are going to achieve anything, brothers and sisters, you're going to have to decide what you're going after. Amen. You're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a decision. Look at James chapter one, verses uh, six and uh, six through eight. We'll, we'll take a look at that. That should be coming up on your screen here as well. But let him ask in faith wavering nothing wavering for he that wavered is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think he shall what receive anything of the lord don't let him think don't, don't let him think he going to receive anything of the lord why because verse number uh, 8 Get back to that. Verse number eight says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's verse number eight. I gave you the first few of that, but you go down to verse number eight. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You're not going to be able to accomplish anything as long as you stay halted between two opinions. As long as you as long as you stay in a state where you make where you will not make a decision. You got to make a decision, okay? That's just something that you're going to have to do. Next thing I want you to see, I want you to take a look at, is, is that we cannot have, you need to understand, the goals need to be specific, and you do have to make a decision, but you cannot have everything. Amen. Some people, they, they, the reason why I've discovered that they cannot make a decision or they have trouble making a decision about what direction they're going in. And, and, as you, and as you notice, I know we're talking about godly goals, but this really applies in just every area. Um, so you're going to find application of this in, in everything. And if you do, that, that, that's fine. No problem there. Now, indecision is going to leave us at the starting line. But, 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 but just because, and with, with that knowledge, we uh, about indecision. When we decide, okay, I'm not going to be indecisive. I'm not going to be halted between two opinions. I am going to make a decision. Well, the first thing you need to understand when you get to that point where you're ready to make a decision, you cannot have everything. Brothers and sisters, you cannot have everything. You listen, you, you, you just <laughs> nature alone, you are only one person. So you cannot handle everything all at once we tend to want everything all at once and something all at once and we want it all at the same time no so you got to learn to be specific whenever possible okay it doesn't mean that there won't be um, a couple of things okay and it's not about it's not again psalms 27 4 is not to say we're not we're not suggesting that you could only have one thing no what we're simply telling you like david had one thing your goals need to be focus they need to be specific and you need and in and in and in being focused and in being specific you cannot achieve that or you will not have that as long as you want or absolutely everything no you can't do that amen right it, 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 you you cannot have it all at once so you need to know that be specific a thing that we can do with that is 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 that we can narrow in order to accomplish this it means that we've got to narrow our focus by breaking goals into a series of steps or parts. We're giving you something that you can use. So you know you can't have everything. No, you can't be loosey-goosey all over the place, all right? But you need, and you need to be specific. It, but it does not mean that a goal need to be small goals, no. You can have big goals, brothers and sisters. Goals can be big. Nothing wrong with dreaming big, wanting big, wanting to do something for the Lord. But nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to understand that with a big goal, it is they are accomplished in a series of smaller tasks. 
So you cannot just do it all. So in order to accomplish that thing or to see the accomplishment of a goal, all right, then or a larger goal or the fulfillment of a larger goal, we've got to take We've got to narrow our focus and we've got to be willing to break the goals into series of steps. So if you want this whole thing, yes, God, I want this. God, I, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. Now, when I go to God, I'm going to go to God with the big picture. Okay. This is the overarching God, goal. God, I, here's the big picture. This is what I want. But the accomplishment of that goal, it's going to be by the hand of God. And we don't get into that in, 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 as, we, as we move forward. It's going to be by the hand of God. But even with that, it's going to be a series of steps. Okay? So you got to be with you. And, and, and so in that, you need to focus. Goals will never truly be accomplished well anyway. And many times at all. Okay? If we don't focus on the task at hand. The accomplishment of goal, godly goals, God-centered goals, they often require steps, brothers and sisters. Those individual steps require focused attention. So you cannot, you won't achieve the best results possible. We won't get the best results possible if we don't focus on the task at hand. So that's why. We got to break it into a series of parts. Amen. Okay. So that's dealing with that first characteristic. They got to be focused. Second characteristic. Amen. They are sourced from God. Amen. Glory to God. The second thing is they are sourced from God. Okay. And, and we get that. Where do we get that from? Where do we, where do we get that from? He says, of the Lord. One thing have I desired. What? What? Of the Lord. David says, of the Lord. When David says, of the Lord, he's revealing the source. Okay? He says, one thing I've desired. The one thing that I want. I got one dream. I got one plan. I got something that I want. Okay? But he recognizes when he says, of the Lord. He identified where the source of that thing comes from. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there is a benefit to being aware of where your blessings and where your benefits come from. You need to know that. Glory to God. You and I need to be aware and stay aware of where our benefits or where our source is. When we talk about God-centered goals and, um, uh, and godly goals, you got to understand, brothers and sisters, we got to stay in the mindset that these are things, we are talking about achieving things that have God as the source. So you can't have a godly goal or a God-centered goal and have in your plan that you're going to leave God out. How is that going to work? That is not going to work. I want you to look at Psalms 121, verse number two. For those of you who are following along, it's going to show up on your screen in just a moment. Amen. Psalms 21, all right, 120, Psalms 121, verse number two, says this, my help, what? Cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Amen. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Help brothers and sisters, when we talk about godly goals, okay? Help comes from the Lord. That's where it's going. That's where you're going to find it. There absolutely is no other source. Help comes from the Lord. Amen. To get help, because we got to know where it comes from, but now we got to move into how we get this help. So it comes from the Lord. We learned that Psalms 121 and 2. But to get help, we've got to go to the Lord in prayer. Look at Philippians 4 and 6. Those of you following along, it's going to appear on your screen in just a moment. Amen. Glory to God. Philippians 4 and six, let's see what the word says. Bible says this, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known 
unto God. And we talked a lot about that um, last week or at the end uh, of last week. But he says, be careful for nothing, so don't delay, okay? But with prayer and supplication, all right? With thanksgiving, you gotta have an attitude of thankfulness, okay? There's no need asking God to bless you for something new and you're not thankful for what you already have. It's not likely that you're gonna get that. It's not likely that God's going to do that. Listen, God is not, God is not, God does not make it a habit to make, doesn't make it a habit to just continuously hook up the ungrateful. Uh-uh, no, he don't do that. God already hooked up the ungrateful. What did he do? He went to the cross. He went to Calvary. He hung, bled, and died. He rose the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. He made salvation. That's what he did available to this world. That's what he did for the ungodly and for the, un and for the ungrateful. But, and you need to understand, that's as far as he's going. Okay? He's, he's not, he's not going to make it a habit of just hooking up. God, don't, God does not. Listen, if there is one concept I would love for you all to get, it is this concept here. God does not bless mess. I'm, I have said it, and I'm going to keep on saying it. God, brothers and sisters, does not bless mess. It, it, it's, it's not going to happen. You're not going to have a situation or a scenario, okay, where God is all of a sudden going to just um, just start giving you all your heart's desire and doing all these things for you and you just living wrong and you living foul. That's not going to happen, brothers and sisters. That's not going to happen. God does not bless mess. So help comes from the Lord. And then to get that help, you've got to go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Some of you don't have what you need because you're trying to get it from the wrong person. And as long as you keep trying to get it from the wrong source and from the wrong person, I'm here to tell you, you're not going to have nothing. You are not going to have anything. I know that's blunt. I know that's just straight out of the gate, but that is what it is. As long as you keep going in the wrong direction, you are not getting ready to accomplish whatever that goal is anytime soon. Nope, you're not going to do that. It's not going to work that way. You've got to go to God. And when we go to God, you got to go to God in prayer. Amen. To access the help once we go to God in prayer, Okay, you can't just go to God just saying any and everything. It doesn't, no, it doesn't work that way. You can't just go go to God saying any and everything to God. No, and just just oh, just open your mouth and just start going. No, God has a way in which He wants to be addressed, and some things that you need to know. Take a look at Psalms one twenty four, and I want you to look at verse number eight. Amen. For those of you again following along, it's going to appear in just a moment on your screen. Amen. Right. And when we start looking at that, Psalms, um, Psalms 124, uh, verse number eight, and hopefully you got your Bibles open so that when the screen finally does catch up with you, it says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Our help, glory to God. Is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. I want you to take a look at um, the, I want you to look at the gospel of John. I want you to look at verse uh, chapter 16. And I want you to start at verse, uh, verse 22. Okay. And the word of God says this, and ye know, amen. And ye know, therefore, excuse me, and ye now, therefore, have sorrow. But I will see you again. And your heart, amen, uh, you shall rejoice. And your joy, no man taketh from you. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in what? My name. He will give it you. Hitherto ye've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. So when you get to the Lord, not only do, do you not only uh, um, do you need to use His name, but He's specific. He tells us we've got to use the name Jesus. That's what John is telling us. That's what the the apostle is revealing to us. Whatsoever you ask the Father in what my name. So help comes from the Lord. We ought to know he's our source. 
okay? To get access to that, we're going to have to do some praying. So we're going to have to go to the right person. We're going to have to go to the right source. We can't go all over the place. And then when we get to the right source, in order for us to access that, in order for us to get that, in order for all of those things to take place, you've got to, you've got to petition or you've got to ask in the right way. How, what's the right way? In his name. Amen. Glory to God. You and I have to come, have to be willing to come to the Lord in his name. Glory to God. Now, let's look at the third characteristic, okay? The third characteristic, this is good this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we know that they got to be focused and we know that we have to know um, that they come from the Lord. Why? So that, why, so that we don't, so that we, when we come up with these specific goals, we don't start all off in the wrong direction. That's why you need to know that God is your source. Why? Because so that you don't start off trying to come up with a plan that, that excludes God. You're not going to, it's not going to work. Brothers and sisters, a plan to accomplish the things of God outside of God is a plan that is doomed to fail before it starts. Please know that. Please be aware of that. So you've got to understand while you're focusing your goals that the source is from the Lord and you're going to have to go to him in prayer. You're going to have to have God involved in the mix somewhere. It's going to have to happen. Okay. Now, when we get to this third goal or this third characteristic, we didn't understand something that goals, godly goals, God-centered goals, they require action or work on our part. Amen. Glory to God. They require work or action on our part. Remember, David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. Amen. That will I seek after. That one thing that He's his goal, that desire. He says, that will I seek after. Take a look at Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew six and 33 gives us, uh, gives us some words that we need to understand. Bible says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, okay? Godly goals, you got to understand, is going to require something on your part. Yes, God is the source, but God is going to let you play a part. There are some aspects of it that God is going to let you do, even, if, listen, it may, and, and it can range. It can be from actual physical items or tasks, things that you need to do, or all the way to you just being consistent and, and vigilant in the prayer room. It, it, even, even, you gotta understand, whatever it is, whatever God requires you to do, whatever he's asking you to do, or whatever that goal is, okay? Yes, it comes from God, but, it, but, but, but you gonna have to do something. If you're praying, you gonna need, you gonna, you continue praying. Continue doing the right things and the things that glorify God, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you hear Jesus talking to the disciples and, and talking to the people and letting them know what it is that you need to be focused on? The Lord letting these disciples know, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Go after God. It's going to require some work on your part. But brothers and sisters, can I tell you that it's so worth it? The work is worth it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, he, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are all the things? That's all the necessary stuff. That's all the things that you're going to have need of throughout your life. That means that God knows you're going to need a job. God knows you're going to need food on your table. God knows you're going to need this, that, and the other, and all of these different things. You know the things that we tend to ask God for over and over and over as if he never heard us before. God actually does know what we have need of. And God actually, brothers and sisters, has designed this thing whereby he has freed you and I to focus our attention on 
on greater things while he takes care of all of the details. Believe it or not, you actually do not need to spend a thousand and one years, you know, 15 and more hours asking God to supply the very basics of your needs. He already know that. God already got that. And I want to encourage somebody. God already has you in the palm of his hand. So you are actually free to move on. You're free to focus on things, greater things than these. You're able to focus your attention on. Amen. Glory to God. Okay. What else do we need to know? Going after God, we need to understand it. What does it mean? When we start going after God, let's get into this. Going after God is what that actually is, is faith in action. Amen. When we say go after God, because it's going to require action, we're going to have to go after God. And we just read, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Okay. We just read that. So we're going to have to go after God. All right. When you go after a God, when a man or a woman or a boy or a girl goes after God, the way God wants you to go after him, okay? Because I need to add that there's a way. You get some people doing a lot of different things, talking about they pursuing God. You're not pursuing God. You are not pursuing God at all. So let's let's tighten up the understanding on that. When you go after God, you got to do it his way. You can't go after God with your own stuff, with your own thought, with your own idea, with your own with your own plan. No, it ain't gonna work. God is particular. God has a way in which he wants to be approached. The Lord said, they that worship him, they got to do it in spirit and in truth. That is a criteria. So when you go after God, you're going to have to go after God a certain way. And one thing that God wants us to do is God wants us to operate, to live in, and to move in faith. So going after God is synonymous with faith in action. When you're going after God, you are exhibiting faith. You are, you are putting faith in action. Now, activated faith or faith in action, right? What the scripture te is what the scripture teaches to teaches as being true faith. Okay, so activated faith or faith in action. This is what the scripture teaches is as what is known as true faith. True faith is faith in action or activated faith. That's, that is what it is. True faith. What is the difference between false faith, fake faith, and everything, and true faith? True faith has an active component to it. There's action involved in it. Amen. See, you can't, <laughs> that's why, that, 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 listen, that's why you can't fake service to God. You can pretend all you want. Now you now you're gonna fool the unlearned. And, and you gonna and you're gonna pull the wool the over the eyes of those that don't know no better. But 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 brother and sister, I want to tell you today, you are never not even on your best day with your greatest performance. Are you ever gonna pull the wool over God's eyes? God knows what true faith is. God knows what he is looking for. And you need to understand something. God knows it because he is faithful. See, when God want to know what faith is, all he do is look at himself. God is the standard by which he measure everything. And everything must be measured, must be lined up to the standard that is God Almighty. God is faithful because he does what he says he's going to do. God is full of action. God don't just talk a talk. God walks the walk, brothers and sisters. God is walking. I hope you know that today, that God has always been walking. Do you realize that you are here right now? Because God was walking. God was being faithful. God was doing what nobody else could do or when nobody else wanted to. And when those that needed were ignorant and unaware that they needed something done, God was already walking. God was already working it out. God knows what true faith is. So how long are you going to keep trying to pull the wool over God's eyes? How long are you going to keep trying to masquerade your lack of faith and disguise it as faith? True faith Brothers and sisters has earmarks or a characteristic. There is a, there is a marker that identifies it as genuine. 
So, and whenever that marker is absent, you've got to understand that your faith will show up as counterfeit. Glory to God. Glory to God. God requires faith. But God wants true faith. God wants faith that's activated. God wants faith that has some legs with it. God wants faith that has some wind behind it. God wants faith that is moving. God wants faith that is active. God wants faith that's on the run. God wants faith that's not standing still. God wants faith that's not stagnant. God wants faith that is blooming and that is blossoming. blossoming. God wants true faith, brothers and sisters. Glory to God. Look at James chapter 2, verse 26. Glory to God. True faith has an active component. Why? Why does it have an active component? James 2, 26 says this. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Notice it, dead also. That means it's just as dead. That means it ain't a different dead. It ain't, it ain't a lesser dead. It is dead dead. When your body no longer has its spirit, that body is dead. There is no life. That is dead dead. And the Bible says, not, not, not what Brother Walker says, don't, don't get that confused, don't put me in it at all. What the Bible says, for as the body is dead without the spirit, so the, the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. True faith has an active component or is action because it produces works. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, you can't have faith with no works. You get a lot of people, especially in today's age and, and in, in, in religious circles, and, and sometimes you just got to let people just be ridiculous on their own. Some people just going to, listen, they're going to interpret that word any way that they want to, and ain't nothing you can do about them. All you can do is know them that labor among you and you're going to have to move on about your business. But you listen, it's some people that going to take that. Listen, they love the concept of grace because we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians teaches us this. We know this. This is true. But you got those that subset of individuals that are so hooked up on grace that they forget about all the other characteristics and all the everything else that makes God, God. Grace is not the only thing that makes God, God. That's a characteristic of God. He's gracious. That's part of it. That's part of his character. Amen. But that's not the only part of his character. And you got so many people that love to, to just stop right then and there. And they want to make it so that it is just a it, that, that it's all about grace. You don't have nothing to do. Brothers and sisters, nothing could be further from the truth. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works, without works is dead also. That means it is just as dead. Not another dead, but just as dead. Amen. Let's look at a fourth characteristic. Amen. A fourth characteristic that we have. Okay is that godly goals, they often have a God-centered component to them. Amen. They often have a God-centered component to them. So there is an element of it where you are blessed. Let's look at the word of God says, David said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Man, now let's get into some of this here, okay? God-centered goals or desires are designed to bring you closer to God. 
okay? They bring you closer to God. Now I'm gonna define a few words and we're gonna use these words because we're gonna get, it, get into these things and we're gonna use that and we're gonna need that as we build a foundation as we move further into this, especially this aspect of David's uh, declaration that I may dwell. One thing have, have I desired of the Lord and that will I, says that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. See, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord is a God-centered goal. Now the goal is turning towards him. Now there's a benefit that's getting ready to be un, un, uh, um, um, disclosed because he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And this is the beginning of that, okay? There's a couple things I want we, we want to know. So a few words that we want to have in our mind, in our repertoire, and in our consideration. First, I want you to consider the word dwell. The word dwell means to inhabit or it means to live in, okay? be in inhabitation of, okay? That's a good word because we're gonna use these words as we, as we, as we go further. Another word or phrase I want you to look at, I want you to, to keep in your mind is that of the phrase to continue, okay? To continue, because we're going to get into that. Those are some things Jesus brings in that, um, that phrasing um, in the New Testament. But to continue, it means it is to, it's a verb, the phrase is, a, is an action phrase or an action uh, is a verb phrase. And it means to continue in a state, okay? In a certain state. And I want you to keep that in mind. It's a certain state that you continue in or condition or activity. And in essence, when the word, when the phrase to continue is used, it basically means to dwell. So it, that phrase to continue is literally synonymous with dwell. You could use them almost in, uh, interchangeably, okay? And then with the concept of um, the house, David said that I may, you know, he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That word house also means temple, okay? So this here is a noun. And when we think of this or when we talk about this, amen, glory to God, a temple is, is, a, is, is the, or the concept of the temple is understood as meaning, um, um, is understood as the local residency of a deity. So when we think about it, it's the house of God, all right? So when we talk about the house here, it's not talking about just anybody's house, it's talking about God's house, okay? So this, it's, it's not talking about, it's not talking about my, my local address or the, it's not talking about, listen, it's not even talking about the address of the local church that you go to. It ain't talking about that at all. It's, it's on a whole different level. When we start talking about the house and we start talking about the temple, yes, the church is the house of God, but you need to understand the house of God, uh-uh, that ain't made by hands. No, 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 that ain't brick and mortar. No, the house of God are the saints, the people of God. They are, we are the temple of the living God. And brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and stop right here because next week we will get further into this and we're going to go further. What a wonderful study that we had uh, on this morning. Wow.